Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Thank you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Everybody means everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. That's not a greeting. That's a command. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we do that for the next 30 seconds or so? Why don't we worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness? Why don't we worship him for his goodness? For he is good. He is great. He is an almighty God. Hallelujah. 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 We worship you, Jesus. We magnify your name, Jesus. We exalt your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Let's add a little tail to that and go another 30 seconds. Amen. It feels good to worship the Lord in the house. Why don't you forget everything else? And just for the next 30 seconds, let the Lord know how much you love him, how much you desire him, how much what he means to you and your family. He woke you up this morning. He started you on your way. You are accepted in the beloved. You are called the priest and a king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Amen. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord um, this morning on the Lord's Day and to worship with all of you. Um, yesterday when I got here, I was so excited. Let me, let me give you a little context. Um, when I left home, uh, there is about seven inches of snow in my driveway and in my backyard and all of that. And um, I was so excited to leave because that meant I didn't have to shovel. And, um, and then I got here and the weather, I just knew as soon as I stepped out in San Diego, I just knew it was the will of God for me to be here this weekend with you. Amen. So good to be here. So good to see uh, the Waddles and um, all of you great folks here in this house. I want to go right into the word of the Lord in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. And I'm, I've got to hurry because I've got about 10% on my iPad. So when it's done, it's done. Amen. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4. When you have it, say amen. The Bible reads, it so in the name of Jesus Christ, or do you despise the riches of his goodness? forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance do you despise the riches of his goodness his forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance today I want to speak to you on this simple subject the goodness of God leads you to repentance the goodness of God leads you to repentance. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. We thank you because without them, we would not be sanctified. Without your word, oh God, we would not be saved. We would not be washed, washed, regenerated. And so we thank you for them. Allow me to bring them forth in a manner that is understandable, to be honest with the text. And that your people may not just hear it, but that they may put it into practice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. You may be seated all over this place. Out of all the attributes of God, all the attributes of God, whether those are communicable or incommunicable all of the attributes of god god is holy god is transcendent god is beautiful uh, god is uh, invisible god is almighty uh, 
Uh, God is powerful. God is love. God is merciful. These are all attributes of God. Out of all of the attributes of God, oh, the goodness of God is the one that is most mentioned in Scripture. Out of all the attributes of God, the goodness of God is most mentioned in Scripture. God is good. Amen. How many believe that this morning? God is good. I want you to say that with me. God is Say it again. God God is good in good times and God is good in bad times. God is good whether there's abundance or whether there's scarcity. God is good at the birth of your child and God is good at the death of your loved one. God is good in times of happiness and God is also good in times of grief. We praise our God because he is benevolent, he is kind, he is merciful, he is giving, he is caring, he is charitable, he is patient, he is generous. The Bible said he is slow to anger. He is great in mercy. That's what the Bible means by the goodness of God. Is anybody in this house thankful today that God is good? Amen. Let me get a little monitor sound man, if you will, please. Thank you. The church acknowledges the goodness of God, both in song and in sayings. There's this uh, cool song that we sing, Lord, you are good, and your mercy endureth forever. That's not just a song. That is also scripture. But the church acknowledges that God is good in both song and sayings. We say, God is good. And all the time, amen, God doesn't just do good, God is good. His goodness is a natural virtue of his being. And so all of his deeds are good deeds because they flow from his goodness. I'm telling you, God is so good that in our text, Paul calls it the riches of his goodness. The riches of his goodness. Friends, God is not cheap when it comes to goodness. He's not frugal when it comes to goodness. He's not poor when it comes to goodness. God is wealthy in goodness. He's an unlimited reserve of goodness and he's got them all stored up for us. Why? Because God is good. God is good. As a matter of fact, God is so good that even the word by which we describe him in the English language God is a derivative of a German uh, word meaning good. God is good. Even the word by which we describe him, every time you say God, you're calling him good. Amen. God is synonymous with good. Good, good. How do I know that God is good? Well, in the words of that Sunday school song, for the Bible tells me so. The scripture continually affirms that God is good. Psalms 170 verse 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Psalms 34 and 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You don't have to scratch and sniff when you can taste and see that the Lord is good. Has anybody in this house ever tasted the goodness of God in your life, in your everyday walk, God is good. This wasn't the universe. This wasn't mother nature. This wasn't lady luck. This wasn't, you know, some random act of the universe somewhere. Every good gift comes from above. It 
was God who provided for you. It was God who healed you. It was God who delivered you. It was God who saved you. The fact that you're still alive, baby, it's a testimony to the fact that he is good. Some of y'all were out gangbanging, shot at, and God brought you out of that, put you out in the house of God. Why? Because he is good. We complain about so many things. You've got breath. You've got food. You've got shelter. You've got clothing. You've got blessings. You've got family. Somebody ought to recognize today that God has been good to you. Come on and clap your hands all over this. Praise God, you may be seated. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you think that the church, as recipients of God's goodness, how do you think that we should respond to the goodness of God? How do we respond to the goodness of God? Well, thankfully, you don't have to guess. The Bible informs us how we ought to respond to the goodness of God. How many want to know how you need to respond to the goodness of God? Well, there's several ways. But the main way that the Bible describes to us how we ought to respond is with praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving are twins. You'll always see them together all over scripture. Praise and thanksgiving. Psalms 106 and verse 1 says, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why should I praise the Lord and give thanks to the Lord, psalmist? Well, he himself tells you, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. That's how you ought to respond to God's goodness. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Psalms 118 and verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. The same in Psalm 107. The same in Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord. Praise the Lord for he is good. Good. This is a public service announcement here this morning to all of our guests who are in the building here this morning. Please forgive our noise. Please forgive our exuberance. Please forgive our passion. Please forgive our singing. Please forgive our joyous praising. Please forgive our fiery dancing. Please forgive us our constant hand clapping. And from time to time, there's somebody that's got a shout out in the building please forgive the way that we respond I promise you we're not crazy we're not drunk we're not drugged up we're not mentally indisposed we're not puffing on the magic dragon we're not puffing on Mary Jane on 420 or the blessed ganja no you are just dealing with a people for whom God has been so good that like the songs says we just can't stop praising his name we can't stop praising his name this is the way we thank him this is our thanksgiving this is the expression of our thanksgiving unto God God is good songwriter said when I think of his goodness and all that he's done for me. That's, that's, that's right, songwriter. That's what the Bible commands you. It tells you to praise him for his goodness. It tells you to be thankful for his goodness. You see, the natural response to the goodness of God is a praise that is caused by thanksgiving. Praise and thanksgiving are two pillars often seen in scripture together to describe the proper reaction to the goodness of God. May I mess up your Sunday morning for a bit here today. And may I just say that, uh, uh, can I just say, a mouth that has no praise is the direct result of a heart that has no thanksgiving. 
I'll say that again. Amen. A mouth that has no praise is the direct manifestation of a heart that has no thanksgiving. It is a heart that fails to acknowledge the goodness of God in his or her life. Be careful with a person who claims to be a Christian but doesn't organically praise God from the depth of his soul because, I'm going to tell you why, it is unnatural to be thankful and not to feel the need to express it. say that again when you are truly thankful it is unnatural for you to be thankful and not to feel the need to express it when you're thankful you bring roses home for your honey when you're thankful you take somebody out to dinner when you're thankful you want to shout somebody's praises when you're thankful you bring a gift with you when you're thankful you send the greeting card when when you are thankful that's why when you acknowledge the goodness of God one million times a day the words thank you Jesus should come out of your mouth thank you Jesus for my promotion thank you Jesus for my graduation thank you Jesus for my job thank you Jesus for my car thank you Jesus what delicious food I ate thank you Jesus for my spouse thank you Jesus for my kids thank you Jesus for my church thank you thank you thank you you're a great provider thanksgiving and praise amen that's what you come to the house of God to do is it not what you come to the house to good to do listen listen Psalms 100 says enter into his gates with what? And then it says, and into his courts with what? Did, did you not see? Praise is the direct result from thanksgiving. You enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And you enter into his courts with praise. But watch why. Why do we do that? It says, be thankful to him. That's thanksgiving. And bless his name. That's praise. Amen. Be thankful. Thanksgiving. And bless his name. That's praise. But thanksgiving is the attitude. And praise is the action thanksgiving is the attitude praise is the action praise is what manifests what's in here it is the outward of expression of what you feel on the inside but why should we enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name listen to the next sentence for the Lord is Good. Woo. For the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. Amen. Thanksgiving is something that every Christian ought to have. You can't have Thanksgiving and not have praise. You can't have thank that's or that's that's unnatural. And you can't have praise and not have thanksgiving. That, that would be robotic and mechanical and just following a to-do list. Amen. That's not the kind of praise that God wants. The kind of praise that that's exactly what he told Israel. He said, take away from me the noise of your songs. You're singing out of duty. You're singing out of obligation. I, he said, I despise your songs. I hate your feast days. He said, I will not smell in your solemn assembly. Why? Because they were doing it out of, oh, this is what the rules state. So let's come here and let's praise. And I guess we need to come to church. And I guess we've got to have a solemn assembly. And I guess we've got to have this feast days. That's, I guess that's what he wants. And he said, I hate it. I hate it. I don't want people who just come and show an outward expression of something that is not on the inside. I need you to be thankful, thankful for everything that I've done. Thankful for everything that I've done. 
And when you're thankful, the natural expression of your thankfulness is that you will enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's the name of the Lord. Now let me ask you a question. To whom is God good? To whom is God good? Well, number one, let me tell you, number one, he is good to the whole earth. At the broadest point, God is good to the whole earth. In Psalms 33 and 5, the Bible said, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Psalms 33 and 5, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. How is God good to the earth, you may ask? Well, that's a great question. Thank you for asking it. Every time you see sunlight and clean air, water, food, oxygen, minerals, moonlight, the wind, rain, resources, that's not Mother Nature, folks. That's Father God. The whole earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. To whom is God good? Well, he's not just good to planet earth. Can I tell you, God is also good to the animal kingdom. Do you know that? That God is good to the animals? Brothers and sisters, his goodness is not limited to human beings. But God is so good that he extends his goodness even to the animal kingdom. The, book, the Bible said, Psalm 149 and 5, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. And God is good to all. God is good even to the animals. How do I know that? Listen to what the Bible tells me. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26, it says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. God feeds birds. God feeds the birds. You've heard of birds die of a whole lot of stuff, but I bet you've never heard a bird die of hunger. You know why? Because God feeds the birds. Every worm, every leftover French fry from your carne asada fries, amen. Hallelujah. It wasn't left there by luck. God had a plan for all of that stuff. Amen. It was to give nutrition to his birds. He feeds them from the fowl of the air to the fish in the sea to every creeping thing. There is a constant flow of God's goodness that is given to them. God is good even to the animals. God is good. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not just good to planet Earth, and he's not just good to the animal kingdom. Can I tell you here this morning, and I bet I've got some witnesses up in this house, that God isn't just good to planet Earth, and he's not just good to the animal kingdom. God is good to believers. Woo, if you are in this house and you are a born-again Christian, God has an extra dose of goodness for those who have placed their faith in him. He lavishes us with goodness. I wish we had time today to hear the testimonies of people who would shout here that God has been good to them. I, I, I wonder in this house if anybody right now could testify with your voice and your hands that God has been good to you. Wave your hand if God has ever healed you. Wave your hand as he's ever delivered you from shame. Wave your hand if God's ever delivered you from sin. Wave your hand if he's ever cured you from your depression.
depression. Some of you in this house, God has helped and brought out of drugs. Some of you, he's helped you from your lying. Some of you, you were lonely, but God came in and he stood closer than a brother. Amen. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm telling you, we, his children, can testify. God has been good to us. I thank him for every mountain. I thank him for every valley. Even in the valley, amen, he's walked along with me. Even when I went through the fire, he didn't let me go through the fire by myself. He went in the fire with me because he is good. Somebody shout, God is good. He is so good to believers. The Bible says, uh, the, the Bible tells us in Psalm 34 and 10, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. The best thing that ever happened to you is the day that you gave your life to Jesus Christ. It's the best thing that has ever happened to you. It doesn't mean that you won't have a cross to bear. No, quite the opposite. You'll have to carry the cross. You'll have to go through all sorts of hell and tribulation and trial and affliction. But how is God good? Because he won't let you carry that cross by yourself. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. His present makes the journey worth it. God is good. God's so good to believers. The Bible said, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I've never seen a seed begging for bread. Why? Because God is good to believers. God is so good that the Bible said no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. If you are the son of God and you walk uprightly, the Bible said no good thing will he withhold from you. God is so good to his children. Oh, through his provision to us. That's why we thank him here today. He is good to you. In, his, in the way that he allows you to pray and ask. The Bible said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who seeks, finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your good father in heaven give good things to them who ask him why because God is good to his children Woof, my God I'm almost y'all can be seated y'all over here getting tired and whatnot God is good in his plans for you Romans 12 and 12 12 and 2 says that his will is good and acceptable and perfect his will for your life is good that's that's why the Bible says in everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus amen for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. God is good in his plan for you. God is not just good in his plan for you. God is good in his providence for you. He's good in his plan, but he's also good in his providence. The Bible says, James 1.17, we know that all things, I'm sorry, Romans 8.28, we know that all things... Work together for what? For good. 
who, for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, even in your trials, God is working towards your good. Woo, amen. And then James 1.17 said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God is not just good in his plan for you. He is good in his provision for you. He provides for you. We just read that. That's that in your, even in your trials, he's good for you. Every good gift comes from above. That's why you ought to be thankful every day. Everything that is good in your life comes from above. So he's good in his provision, but not just his plan and his provision. God is also good in his protection. The Lord is good, Nahum 1.7 says, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. How many times has he not been a stronghold for you as you have to run to him and worry has had to stay out? You've had to run to him and sickness has had to stay out. You've had to run to him when all hell and high water was against your life. But he was a stronghold in a time of trouble. Why? Because the Lord is good. Ladies and gentlemen, I finally reach the point of the whole message. I am now done with my introduction. Now I go into the. I finally, I land in the point of the whole message. Ladies and gentlemen, he's not just good to the planet. And he's not just good to the animal kingdom. He's not just good to you, believer, who are in this house. Do you know, whew, this is going to be shocking to some, do you know that God is good even to unbelievers? Whew. Ladies and gentlemen, we have finally arrived at the main point. God is not only good to earth, he's not just good to the animals, he's not just good to you, but God is also good to the unrighteous, to the sinner. Can you believe that? God is good to people who don't know him. God is people, God is good to people who reject him. God is good to people who disbelieve in him. God is good to people who have walked away from his church. That's how good God is goodness of God extends to all mankind, even to people who have rejected his kindness and turned their back on the Lord, even to people who persist in their sin, even to those who are openly God's enemies. God is still good to you. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, Jesus speaking to his disciples on how they should love their enemies. They should love their enemies so that, watch this, so that they may truly be the sons of their father in heaven. Do you realize what he was saying? He was saying, if you want to be more like me, the fastest way to look more like your father is when you love your enemies. Just like I love mine. That's what he was saying. As a matter of fact, he gives them an example of how God, in essence, loves his enemies. He says, you love your enemies and you shall be closest to your father who is in heaven. You, shall, uh, you may truly be the sons of your father in heaven. And then he gives them an example and he says, uh, I make my son rise on the good and also on the evil. And I send rain on the just but also on the unjust. He's saying, I love all of my creatures. I love everybody I've created, even the ones who spit in my face. That's how you ought to love them. I send rain to them as well. I also grow their crops. I also give them food to eat. I also give them shelter. Why? Because I am a good God. 
Psalms 25 and 8 says, God, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. He teaches, teaches sinners in the way. Oh, man, God is so good that he even gives sinners direction and guidance along the way. I, I don't know. Somebody might be able to testify that when you were out in that world, there was still a little a little voice in the back of your head that would tell you, hey, don't go this route. Hey, don't walk with those people. Hey, come back home. Hey, you need to come to church sometime. Hey, why do you drink so much? Stop what you're doing. Even when your conscience was not right before the Lord, the Lord still spoke to you. He directed you in some way. Oh, Oh, God, do it again for our backslidden friends. Do it again for our family members who are away from your truth. Oh, God, lead them and guide them. Some of your sons you need to pray over and say, God, be good to them. Be good wherever they are, lost in their sin. Don't want to even know about the ways of the Lord. Those who heard the songs of Zion from their youth, but now they are so far from God. But God, don't you ever stop being good to them. Be so upright, oh God. Teach them along the way. Oh, be kind. Be merciful to them. As a matter of fact, God is so good to unbelievers that there are times that it almost causes believers to stumble as though God is better to unbelievers than he is to his own children. The writers in scripture need to remind believers often not to envy the goodness of God in unbelievers. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. Psalm 37, 1. Psalms 37, 7. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Job 21 and 7. Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? That's a good question. People who are rebellious, why do they keep on living? And not just that, they grow old and they increase in power and they've got so many riches. Even the psalmist Asaph wrote in Psalm. Psalm 73, he said, my feet almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. You see, over and over again, the Bible lets you know that God's goodness is not limited to holy people. God's goodness is not limited to lives who are tidy and neat and perfect. No, God's goodness is not limited to people who've remained faithful in the Christian journey. God's goodness is not limited to people who attend church every service. God's goodness is for all, including those who are far, far away from him. Somebody in this house you are asking the question, and you're saying to those, I'm talking to those like the prodigal son, you've moved to a faraway country, as far away as you can get from your father's house. You who still remember the song of the Sunday school songs or uh, the Sunday school songs from your childhood. But it's been a while since you sung the songs of Zion. It has been long since you felt the presence of God. It has been so long since you've lifted your hands in prayer. It has been so long since tears of thankfulness and thanksgiving ran down your cheeks. And you keep asking yourself, does God even care? Is he even with me? Is he even there? Does God still love me? Well, I've got news for you this morning. God is still good to you. God is still good to you. I end with this. I was uh, a couple, several years ago, I was in uh, near a, a town near Chicago. Uh, and it's interesting that I, that I, 
preach this sermon this morning because just yesterday, from that time, I had not communicated with this pastor, and it's been several years now, and just yesterday, he texted me and said, hey, I'm thinking of you. God put me in your in your mind, and that was just yesterday, amen. But uh, I was <clears throat> speaking in a, uh, in a conference near Chicago, and uh, then I stayed over and preached for this pastor I'm telling you about, and uh, when I <clears throat> preached for him, um, uh, I preached something very similar to this about the goodness of God. And afterwards, there were people who were, uh, you know, were, were praying and crying, and the, and the church was really uh, responding rightly to the sermon. And so um, he, uh, you know, I went over to the office. I prayed for people, and then I went over to the office. And while I was at the pastor's office, um, <clears throat> he told me, he said, hey, uh, I, I, I've got a testimony I want to share with you. I said, sure. He said, you see all those people praying. He said, there's a reason why this church enjoyed that sermon so much. He said, it's it's very relevant. He said, uh, let, let me tell you a story. My uh, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, uh, was a member of the church, but uh, sh somehow she got off track and she went out into the world. She went into a life of drugs and uh, she she left home. She abandoned home. She uh, left her husband, left her children, and she left. And we didn't know where she was. We knew that she was homeless and we knew that uh, she was in drugs and we knew that she was in and out of shelters and, and so forth, but we had not heard from her in forever. We didn't know where she was, where she was living, whether she was alive or not. She said, uh, he said, and, uh, you know, um, one day we had, um, um, we had a, a, an evangelist come to our church, uh, and it had been some time now, and she had been uh, wandering around in the world, but we had an evangelist come, and, uh, you know, he came down to our church, he preached, but our revival was Thursday, Friday, then we had Saturday off, and then Sunday, we had our normal service, and he said, so Saturday was an off day, and I just decided, hey, why don't we go down to Chicago and hang out? Well, uh, that's what we did. And he said, we had an absolute blast. We, he said, from the morning, we ate. Then we got to Chicago and we ate again. And he said, we took pictures, you know, with the bean and we saw the skyscrapers and then we ate again. And he said, that's all we did all day long. We just ate and, and looked at skyscrapers and his wife and my wife bonded. And we just had a blast. We had a blast. We laughed. We went to stores. We did. And we ate, ate, ate every, all day. But he said, towards the uh, evening time, I asked a question. I said, hey, have you guys ever tasted Chicago-style pizza? And uh, and they said, no, we have not, uh, which is very good, by the way. It's not better than New York's. Amen. But um, it, it's 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 good. And uh, he, they said, no, we have not. And so uh, they went over and uh, he said, we have to. You cannot leave here. I know you've had the Chicago beef and I know you've had the hot dog and, you know, you've had Portillo's and you've had all sorts of stuff. But you can't leave from here without having a Chicago-style pizza. And they said, all right. So they went to the original place. And uh, if you know anything about uh, Chicago-style pizza, you know that it takes a while to make. I mean, it's stuffed. It, you, you're going to be sitting there a while. And plus, you're not just going to be sitting there a while. It's extremely filling, and it's very expensive, at least the original one. And so uh, they, they were there. They were buying the uh, uh, stuff, and, and they, they, they were so full. They had been eating all day, but they were just there to try it out. So they ordered the uh, their their pie, and they began to talk. And then here comes the bread, and here comes the soda, and here comes the you know the salad and whatnot. And they are absolutely full out of their minds. By the time the pizza comes, they can't fit a mosquito in their stomach. And so uh, they said, you know what? Uh, this is what we're going to do. He said, you have to try this. They, you know, and they said, all right. So they, 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 they slid or they, uh, cut up a piece of the, the pie, just one little piece of the pie. And from that little piece of the pie, they split that up in four. And each of them had a little piece of that pizza so that they could say, Hey, we tried it. Right. So that's what they did. And so they asked the waitress to bring a box and they took, uh, uh the pizza. They were 
wanting to take the pizza home. Uh, they, they grabbed the box. The pastor said, man, I grabbed that box, and I thought we were, you know, heading home. It's a, about a two-hour drive, close to two hours from the city. So, And we had service in the morning, so I thought we were driving back home. But, man, they wanted to see some more stuff. So here they were, and we kept walking, and we kept looking at skyscrapers. And he said the whole time they left me to deal with the duty of carrying this box around. And he said it was the heaviest thing that you can imagine, and it was becoming a nuisance. All I could see is them laughing out. The three amigos were laughing in front of me, and here I was in the background lugging this big old pizza around. So he said, I couldn't take it anymore. So finally, he said, I, I just told him, hey, could y'all be honest with me? Is anybody really going to eat this, uh, the leftovers here, this piece? And you know what? The evangelist and his wife said, well, no, we're at a hotel room, and I don't think we can do it. And so uh, he said, all right, that's fine. And then uh, uh, he asked his wife, hey, should we, you think, should we take this home? She said, you know, we're not going to eat that when we get home. We hardly eat leftovers. He said, all right, listen. I'm just going to get rid of this thing then because I'm the you guys are enjoying yourselves while I'm lugging this thing around. So he said, I'm just going to throw it away. So he went over to the trash can and throw it away. And his wife said, well, babe, don't throw the thing away. Just put it on top of the uh, put it on top of the trash can because, you know, somebody could find it here. And 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 he said. What I don't care what happens to the pizza as long as I'm not carrying it. That's that's all that matters to me. So they had a blast. They had a great time. They got in their car. They went back home, and uh, they they had a great Sunday service, and everything was great. Well, several months after that, uh, the wife, the pastor's wife, woke up on a Saturday morning, and she had been praying that morning, and she woke up, and she had this feeling down inside. It was like a God feeling, and, and that she needed to go and find her sister. So she went out. She told her husband, she said, hon, you're going to kill me, but... I know we don't know where my sister is, but we need to go out and find her as quickly as possible. We need to go, and I just feel I've been praying, and I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I've been praying, and I really feel like this is what we need to do. And so the husband said, "Hun, how are we going to find this girl? We don't know. This town is way too big, and we don't know where to find. So she said, I don't know. Let's just start going to homeless camps. So that's exactly what they started doing. They started going from homeless place to a homeless place with a picture saying hey do you know that have you seen this girl everywhere they went there was no answer no one wanted to know we don't know her she kept going to shelters and so forth and no she hasn't been here in in a while we don't know where she may be and they did not find her anywhere at that point they didn't know whether she was still alive they went everywhere in their little city and they couldn't find her it was around lunchtime and she said you know what Hun, you are going to kill me, but I, I know what I felt. I think we need to go down to Chicago. And he said, she said, he said, Chicago, how are we going to get to, that's two hours away. How did she get to Chicago? She doesn't have the money. She doesn't. And how are we going to find your sister in the third largest city in the United States of America with millions of people? How are we going to find this needle in this state, in this Haystack. Did I say that right? Need on the haystack. All right. Hey, I didn't want to cuss up in here in the, this house. And uh, and 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 she said, "Hun, please, please indulge me. Let's go to Chicago." Well, that's exactly what they did. And uh, finally, you know, happy wife, happy life. They went down to Chicago, and he just knew they weren't going to find her. But he went to acquiesce, and he went to every camp, and they went out with the picture and asked everybody in every camp and every shelter. And in his mind, he was saying, you know what? It's one day I'm sacrificing, so this never happens again, and we'll put it to rest, and we'll move on. You know, we'll have closure. So he just did it, and he went around with his wife, and they asked, and they did 
and nothing. Nobody could find this woman. It was now uh, nighttime and they were ready. You know, he was ready to come back and he was done. They had been everywhere. He said, hon, this is crazy. We need to head back. We've got services in the morning and there's absolutely no way that we're going to find her. Maybe some other time you can come by yourself and uh, figure this thing out. And uh, and she said, all right. She said, hon, I know it's late and I'm so sorry. She said, but let's just go to one more place. So they went to another place and, uh, you know, people were starting to line up to go into that shelter and some people had tents. It was a homeless camp. Some people had tents around and stuff. And and so she went around asking people, have you seen this, this girl? Have you seen, do you know, have you seen her? And nobody had an answer. Finally, she got to an older man, older homeless man who was there and said, hey, have you ever seen this girl around here somewhere? And this man looked at that picture and then he looked at them and then he looked at the picture again and he said, you know what? Uh, I don't know. She looks really good in this picture. But she resembles somebody I know that comes here every so often. And if she does come here, she comes here at this time of the night. Well, they weren't too far from that time of the night. And so they said, well, we're going to wait. We're going to wait and see. And uh, that's what she said. And, and he said, all right, let's do it. They waited. They waited and waited until she came. When she came, uh, you know, the sister ran out to her sister. This sister was shocked. She was just a little skeleton. She was walking down towards the shelter, and her sister saw her from afar, began to run towards her, grabbed her, and hugged her. This, this, this homeless sister didn't know how to respond. She was so embarrassed. She hardly knew who she was. She was drugged and high, and she hardly knew who was hugging her. But then she realized what was going on, and they grabbed her, and they, and they forced her into the van. That's that's exactly what they told me. They forced her into the van. She didn't want to go, but they said, no, you have to come with us. And they forced her into the van. They locked every door. They, they drove two hours. And, and while she was in there, and she was uh, the pastor's wife was crying the whole way, thanking Jesus for this opportunity that he had given her. And they were driving back. They drove back and went to their city and found the nearest shelter. And they said, you have to come in here. And they, uh, I'm sorry, not shelter, rehab, home. You have to come in here and dropped her off there. And at first she kicked and, and she didn't want to do it. But then she thought to herself, you know, it's one warm night and I, I hardly have those. It's going to be a, a nice clean bed and maybe I'll take a shower. And, and she said, I'll just say yes. and just. But somehow or another, she went in and she did not come out for a while. She went in and, and she began to like it and she got sober and slow. Slowly but surely the Lord began to work in her life. And he said, well, the reason why these people are praying the way that they are is because, look, that is my sister-in-law. The Lord has restored her life. He has brought her back to the house of God, taken her away from drugs. Her marriage did not survive, but she's back with her children, brought her back to the family. She's with the, in the house of God, and so she is very, very thankful to God for everything that he has done but he said but that's not the point of the story the point of the story that I want you to get is this a couple of months after she was restored and came back you know and 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 it was just such a great miracle in this town and in this city and 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 with so many people and and uh, the household was back together and he said but a couple of months after we were at small group at one in, in a living room somewhere and as we were there in that little small group he said this was the subject that we were talking about the goodness of God the facilitator said that God's goodness extends even to unbelievers even to unbelievers and he said that everybody just said amen you know they sang a couple of songs and everybody said amen and they ate their snacks or whatever and they were ready to go but uh towards the end she raised her hand and she said, can, can I say something before we leave? And they said, well, well, sure, sure, of course. And she said, uh, you guys have all shouted and said that God is good. And uh, yes, he is good. 
And then you guys said that God is good even to unbelievers. And she said, I want you to know that you have all been witnessing and shouting and testifying that God is good to unbelievers, but you're doing it theoretically, but not from experience. None of you knows these things, really. Most of you grew up as, you know, in the church. Most of you grew up in the confines of the house of God. So you don't really know this for yourselves outside of the Bible and what somebody has told you or preached to you. But she said, I can speak to the fact that God has been good to me. Even when I just weighed about 70 something pounds and I had no life and I was drugged up. Even when I left my family and left my church and my husband, even when I prostituted my body and I was out in the slums doing things that are unimaginable. I, I, I can't even, I can't even bear to think about some of the things that happened. He said, but I want to test, but I, she said, but I want to testify. God was good to me. She said, I, I won't tell you this, this little story. It was my worst night while I was out in Chicago. It was the night that I thought I was going to die. She said it was freezing cold. I didn't really have a coat, but I was so high I, I could hardly feel it. All the little money that I would get, I'd go right out and get drugs. And I knew that I was going to die from an overdose. I had not eaten in over three days. She said, I was so hungry. But I didn't have enough willpower to use the money for food. I'd go and I'd buy more and more drugs. She said, and finally, uh, I was so weak. It was so cold. I felt like I was in and out of consciousness. And... All I could do is I had a little energy and I just sat at the curb and I just slumped over and then I got a picture of my sons in my head. She said, while I was sitting there, I lifted my voice, my weak voice and said, God. I know you're probably really far from me and you're mad at me. You don't want me anymore. But God, would you give me one opportunity? Give me back my life. Don't let me go just as of yet. I want to see my children. I want to tell them that I love them. I want to I apologize. I want to say that I'm sorry. I know that you don't love me anymore and you're not with me you're probably not hearing and I know I'm dying but I just want to see it I just want to thank them for their patience she said she had no energy but somehow she managed to get up and she started looking around that street trying to find anything to eat and then she went over to the corner she said there was a trash can and on top of that trash can, there was a box of pizza. She said, I don't know. She said, I, I almost ignored the box. It was just sitting there. And she said, and I opened it up. When I opened it up, it was still warm. And she said, these dumb people. Had just eaten one slice. And left a whole box of pizza. She said, I ate that pizza. And I got enough strength to slowly walk back to my shelter and sleep that night. And I'm still alive, she said, because of the goodness of God. Found me. Can I tell you in this house, after some time, then it really dawned on them 
pastor's wife said, wait a second. Where did you find, around where did you find? She said, I don't really remember, but it was right around this area. That's the area where I was. And she looked over at her husband. And she said, do you remember the night? That's where we left that pizza. You remember that? And they came back. It came back to them. It's the same pizza that God had ordained for her sister to leave on top of a trash can so that her sister could survive and see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I close with this today. Oh, dear sinner who is in this house right now. Perhaps there's a backslider sitting here listening to the fact that God is good to you. There's no doubt in my mind that God has been good to you. The goodness of God to you is undeniable. But the goodness of God is not intended to encourage you to continue in your sin. The goodness of God is not meant to make you comfortable in your daily walk as though God has forgotten the fact that you are walking far from him. Oh, he knows every step that you take. He knows how far away from home you are. Sinner, trust me. Justice delayed is not justice denied. Someday, the wrath of God will be poured out on you. For every time that you stepped away, for every time that you turned your back, for every time that you spit in his face, the wrath of God is mounting up against you. The only thing that is stopping the justice of God and the wrath of God from wiping you from this earth is the goodness of God. His mercy and his forbearance and his long-suffering. He sees you walking through these doors on Sundays and leaving the same way that you came. He sees every time that somebody testifies to you. You ignore it. But I'm crying out to somebody. You who know the songs of Zion... You who have been taught from an early age the truth of the gospel that Christ came to save a sinner of which I am chief. You who have mothers and grandmothers and fathers who have travailed on your behalf and today you sit here and the Holy Spirit is putting a conviction inside of your heart because you know it's true. God has been good to you. But his goodness, don't you despise the goodness of God. That's what our text says. Do not despise the goodness of God. Do not ignore the goodness of God. The goodness of God is intended for one reason. And one reason alone. The goodness of God is leading you to repentance.
today is your day of salvation. Today is the day that you need to take this step. God has been so good. And today he asks, would you come? Would you give me an opportunity to enter into your heart, regenerate your heart? Would you come and sup with me and I with you? Would you have faith in the fact that I died on the cross as a substitute on your behalf? You deserve the death. I took the death you deserve. And I'll give you the righteousness that I deserve for my perfect life. Let there be a great exchange. Will you have faith in that? Will you act on that faith and repent from all of your sins? Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I promise I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit if you will do it. And we will, love, we will commune and love together until the day that I come back. Is there anybody in this house who would like on this day to make a commitment and say, you know what, preacher? I want to be that one. I am like that lady who lost it all but found that pizza out in Chicago. I'm lost and yet God has been good to me. Even as I'm far away from home, God has been good. I want to open this altar for somebody in this house. The goodness of God is reaching out to you even now. Even now, the goodness of God is talking in your ear. He is convicting you to come. This is the place. This is the house. This is the hour. The goodness of God is leading you to repentance. Would you lift your hands all over this building? Would you help me to pray? Come on, help me to pray all over this building. Help me to intercede all over this building right now. Help me to intercede. Help me to pray. There are some people in this house that God is dealing with. There are some people that God is dealing with. Come on, help me. Help me in this house. Is there anybody you want to make take this step? Is there anybody you want to take this step of faith? Is there anybody that God is convicting, bringing you home? Come on. Come on, come home. Is there anybody that God is putting enough conviction in you and saying, I will be good and I have been good, but my goodness is meant for your repentance? Well, I'm going to ask, this altar is open for everybody. I'm going to ask us to come here and why don't we come and say, oh God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. And if there's anybody in this house, you want to make that decision here. I want you to come to this altar here. We'll, we'll help you. We'll help you pray. We'll help you pray. Amen. God has been so good to you. As the music will get on, amen, I want to invite you to come to this altar. Contemplate on the goodness of God. I want everybody, amen, to have a prayerful spirit. I want everybody everybody to come before the Lord in your head and your mind and in your heart and say thank you for your goodness thank you for your goodness you've been kind you've been merciful you've been good I didn't deserve it but you've been good I didn't deserve it but you've been kind thank you for listening special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry it is because of you that this ministry is possible you can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.